Welcome, listeners, to Victory in Chains. My name is Dr. Mitchell Thornton. In John 5, 1 through 9, we read, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for a feast of the Jews. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, Do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. At once, this man was cured. He picked up his mat, and he walked. My friends, can you imagine waiting 38 years for someone to help heal what ails you? How many times have you been asked, Do you want to get well? Like the man beside the pool, many of us have been seeking the healing waters, but just could not make our way to the pool. I must admit that I can relate to that man beside the Bethesda pool. I too was 38 years old when I was forced to acknowledge the infirmity of my own sinful condition. Confronted by an unbelieving and horrified wife, I admitted to years of adultery, sexual addiction, and abuse. I thought about running from the problem. I did not want to deal with the embarrassment and humiliation of anyone knowing my dark and secret life. How could I face my family, my friends? What would my employer and my fellow employees think of me? My wife wanted no explanation, no excuses, not even an apology. She just wanted me gone. So I grabbed my coat and keys and left. I did not know what to do. I stopped by the ATM at our bank and withdrew some cash. I filled up the car with gas and headed for the interstate. I knew I had to get away, far away. I was confused and felt so lost. However, where would I go? What would I do now? I made it about 50 miles before turning my car around. Before I knew it, I found myself on the off-ramp headed home. I passed my house at least twice before heading to the hospital where I worked as a department director. I drove through the parking lot and across the street to the convenience store. I sat in my car for what seemed like hours. I had so many questions in my mind. There were no answers to any of them. I was scared. Yet I knew if I really loved my wife and family, I had to do the right thing. Running was not the answer, not this time. I picked up the phone and dialed the familiar number. The voice on the other end was polite and kind. I would have expected nothing less from the staff of the psychiatric unit of our hospital. I explained my circumstances to the best I could without giving too much information. I was ashamed and fearful. How could I have done the things I had done? How could this be happening to me? My thoughts turned from shame and fear to suicide. And since I did not have the answer to my problems, this could be the only answer. 
My courage had brought me into unfamiliar territory. Dealing with a problem as opposed to brushing it under the carpet was harder than I could have imagined. I began to wonder what I had done. Why did I turn myself in? Before the night would end, I was admitted to the hospital and questioned by the police. My eyes burned from lack of sleep and the tears that had finally been allowed to flow. Relief and anxiety fought within me. I tried to sleep, but sleep would not come. I could not or would not allow myself the peace my friend and counselor told me I deserved. I promised, as I was promised by the police, that I would be afforded the opportunity to complete a course of treatment. However, this was not to be. Three days into treatment, I was arrested and I was thrown in jail. This too was an experience I, that I found myself bitter and resent, resentful to, to my wife, my family, the officer who promised me a chance to complete my treatment. However, a month would go by before I was broken enough to reach out to the only Christian I knew at the time. I phoned my sister and I told her how depressed and bitter I was. She reminded me that I did not have to be alone. That was my choice. She told me that if I would ask the Lord for forgiveness and seek Jesus as my Savior, I would find a friend that would see me through this, a friend that would never leave me. She asked me if I had a Bible or if I had ever even picked one up and read it. She knew the answer to both would be no, since she had been trying for 20 years to lead me back to God. She sent me a Bible. And um, when I got it, I read as she had instructed me through the Gospel of John. I was amazed by the effect this account of Christ had on me. I could not put it down. I read the entire Gospel of John and was well into the book of Romans. When late in the night, I put the Bible down and fell to my knees in the middle of my cell. With tears rolling down my face, I asked Jesus to forgive me my sins and help me to become a better man. I asked Jesus to give me peace that I had never known in my life. I asked Jesus to cure me of my ailments, like he had done the man by the pool at Bethesda. Although the cell was dark, there was a light projecting down in front of me. I am sure still today, I was the only one who could see that light and the vision that it produced. There in front of me was Jesus Christ standing beside a stream. It was all so calm and so serene. He stood there with his hand reaching out to me, and without any words he assured me that everything would be fine. Even though I had not yet read the Gospel of Matthew, this verse was clear in my mind as if Christ himself read it to me. From Matthew 6.25 Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. At that moment, in the darkness of my cell, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. I woke the next morning with a stirring in my soul and a new outlook on life. Sure, I was in jail, and I 
was certain that my sentence would reflect the seriousness of my crimes. But somehow, it no longer seemed to matter. I was where I needed to be so the Lord could use me and prepare me for my new life. Christ had led me to the healing waters. I was reborn, a new man with a new life. From that day on, I've taken every opportunity to tell my story of salvation. I try hard to heed Christ's advice about worrying and about the temptation of sin. As I read the story of the healing pool, I am always reminded of an account given to me by an old southern pastor preaching these same passages to his congregation. After he had finished reading the story of the healing pool, his congregation was alive and filled with the fire of the Spirit, praising the Lord and singing out to glory in Jesus' name. With a shout, the small frame preacher brought the congregation to a quiet humming. What a shame, he shouted. Again, he shouted, what a shame. And this time the congregation came to complete silence. According to my friend who gave me this account, you could hear a pin drop. What a shame, he said. That fellow that had waited 38 years to be healed couldn't stick around long enough to help another needy soul into the healing waters. I want you, my listeners, to know that this is my testimony of salvation, and this is me sticking around to lead others to the healing waters of salvation. Once you have found the healing love of Christ, it is your responsibility as a Christian to help others find that same healing love. Do not leave anyone at the water's edge without a guide. Christ wants us to share his word and share your story. You never know the effect you can have on someone. Maybe they're in the same boat as you. Your story just might be the gentle guide that leads the crippled at heart to the healing pool of salvation. This podcast is from a book. A book that I wrote called Victory in Chains. An inmate and inmates' reflections through poems and prayer. And this book is for the prisoners and for us all. Whether you are currently doing time in a city or county jail, a state or federal prison, or your own main man-made prison, you are behind the wall. The wall, however, does not keep us from salvation. The wall does not separate you from the love of family, friends, and God. The wall does not make you weak. No, in fact, the wall can make you strong. The wall that separates you from society also brings you closer to those you love. It can be the wall of despair or the wall of salvation and hope. It simply depends on how you perceive it and how you choose to use it. The wall for me was initially an indication of my fall. I saw my incarceration as a time to reflect on the past and look to my future. As time passed, I found that my time and life behind the wall was a chance for me to have a new and better life. After Christ's death, he was placed in a tomb. He was sealed behind the walls of his cell. Three days later, our Lord Jesus Christ was resurrected from that tomb to a glorious new life. Like Christ, it is behind the wall that I was resurrected from my death in sin to my life in salvation. Behind the wall, I was born again, a new man with a new life in Christ alone. 
If you're listening to this podcast or if you've read my book, it is no accident. I pray that within the pages of this devotional, as I read it to you, you will find the strength to face your imprisonment and your fears. I pray you will see the wisdom and truth of God's word and the love and sacrifice that both God and his son, Jesus Christ, made for us all. It is my desire that as you hear each poem, you will seek the inspiration of our Lord. It is my hope that each poem, scripture verse, reflection, and prayer will act as a light that will gently guide you through each day with the word of God. As you hear these poems, meditate on the scripture and pray the suggested prayer, one or one of your own choosing, that you may draw closer to the Lord. If you have a Bible, look up the chosen verse or verses in your Bible and try to understand the message our Lord has given you. For those of you that know Jesus, it is my deepest and sincerest desire and prayer that you will continue to grow both in faith and in love from the contents of this devotional. For those of you who have yet to accept the truth of love, that is Jesus Christ your Savior, I genuinely pray that you will accept this message and join him on the righteous path today. Accept Jesus as your Savior, repent of your sins, and be born again. Be free. It is for the glory and love of God that I have come to you today, that I've written this devotional, and that I will make it a podcast for your ears. Enjoy Christ. Enjoy Christ's love and companionship as you hear these words. And may God bless and keep you. Until next time, Dr. Mitchell Thornton, there is victory in chains.